0: What's up, Maridistas? This is Keon Sabani. Happy Friday. Got a little treat for you guys heading into the weekend. I've compiled clips from two podcasts that went up today and yesterday. So part one of this segment is a discussion between Lucas Navarrete and I on yesterday's mailbag that went up over on Patreon.com slash ManagingMadrid. In this clip in particular, Lucas and I talk about what would we do if given the keys to everything Real Madrid roster related. We could choose the coach, the transfers, departures, arrivals, loans, promotions. Of course, within reason. We don't go all out and build an 11 of uh, the reincarnation of Di Stefano, the return of Zinedine Zidane, the return of Cristiano Ronaldo and Sergio Ramos. We can't do that. But within reason and realistic um, options, we give our opinions. That's something we rarely do. We kind of just talk about what the board does and what the board will do and what we know. So we do that, and then part two of this segment is taken from the Churros y Tacticas patron podcast that went up today over on Patreon.com slash Churros y Tacticas. A lot of you guys listen to Churros, and if you don't, this could be a little taste of what you get. Um, It might entice you. It might not. doesn't matter. It's just a little bonus thing that's happening uh, on this podcast. So in that segment, in that part two, We talk about where Carlo Ancelotti ranks all time among coaches, and we also talk about a random question that came in, which was, Gesey or Ansu Fati? Who was better as the the budding young star? So we get into that as well. Thanks for listening, guys. Just some quick housekeeping as well. Matt and I are going to record the post-game show for the Espanol game. That'll go up tomorrow night. And then on Sunday, we got Ryan O'Hanlon coming on of ESPN FC, Supreme Liverpool fan, friend of the show. You guys know him well by now. He is going to come on to help us preview the Liverpool game. Uh, and that one on Sunday will go on Patreon. So make sure you're subscribed to everything so you don't miss a beat and enjoy today's clip. Happy Friday. Happy weekend. Let's get it. Enjoy. All right. So we got a bunch of questions to go through. And a lot of it is kind of about squad construction and transfers. That seems to be the theme this week. Um, The dialogue on social media, the dialogue on managingmujud.com, with the articles that have gone up and the dialogue of the questions, very similar. So we're going to talk about squad construction mostly and what's what's the plan here for Real Madrid. And Maybe a little bit of a niche thing is that what would we do? Um, Which is something not something we always talk about. We kind of talk about like what Ramjo would do is doing. But we're going to throw some of our opinions in here today as well, because the questions require them from us. So our first question is from Patrick Odayafadi. He says, hi, Keon and Lucas. I hope you're both well. I'd like to hear both your answers to this scenario. Fast forward to the end of the season. We don't win any trophies. We lose La Liga by double digits, lose to Barcelona in the Copa del Rey, and get dumped out of the Champions League in the quarterfinals. Carlo gets sacked. If it was up to you, what coach do you bring in? You're allowed to make five big decisions on the squad. Player recruitment, current player contracts, renewing them, selling them, diminishing current stars to lesser roles, etc. What would they be? How could you make Real Madrid a more consistent team next year by way up performances over the summer of course being as realistic as possible uh and what is in our capabilities if considering that this is up to me and not
1: what uh, we predict the club is going to do i would probably go with uh, either tuchel or Klopp as the coach and about uh, the five big decisions, I would not sign Modric to Modric to an extension. I would not sign Kroos to an to an extension. I bring back Brahim. I sign a center forward. You, it's tough for next summer. You name him. You know, if you consider that Mbappe is within our uh, within Real Madrid's reach. Then I would probably go after him, even though you know I'm obviously not happy with what uh, went on last summer. I think he would be some a bit more attainable than Haaland next summer, so maybe that would be my target. And the fifth one, I probably sign a capable right back. I would probably go really, really hard after Reese James, but knowing that he would probably not be available, I would just. I don't know. I would just send Juni Alafat to find the best uh, right back out there.
0: The right back one is was the toughest for me to look at because there's literally zero interesting options. There are just options. Yeah. And then it, it, put it this way. I think the options are so uninteresting that Vinicius Tobias might be worth looking at. That's how uninteresting the options are to me. Like we don't have like a Fran Garcia to bring back for the right back slot. Yeah. Um, or like a an expiring free agent like this summer that is really interesting. I gave it a shot anyway. Um, and, and Reese James I did not consider realistic. That, that, otherwise, if I could yeah, choose, sure. if I could do anything and play FIFA, I'd, I'd bring in Reese James as number one option. But I I didn't find that a realistic opportunity, so I I did not list him. But here's what I did, and I kind of came to the conclusion that I don't think the roster needs a, a, a huge overhaul. I think it needs some tweaks and some upgrades. And I think it's not that far away from being a great squad because it is deep in certain positions. I actually, I wrote about Moritz and Cruz and all the expiring contracts today. So if anyone wants my thoughts, they're on managingmujur.com on the homepage. Um, The biggest question I asked about Moritz and Cruz is essentially, I think it's on some level, it's a no brainer to renew them for one year because they've earned it and they're still playing well. But the bigger question to me is, would you rather have, one year of Mordich and Cruz or five years of Ceballos or 10 years of Bellingham. Cause it might actually come down to a, de- a small decision like that. Yep. If you like what you've seen from Ceballos and I do, and I and I personally feel like he fits with the timeline of the young dynamic players. Uh, he, he himself may look at Mordich and Cruz getting renewed and just decide I'm out of here. There's no point. Yeah. So that you have to start thinking about, though, those are hard questions to ask and hard questions to answer. Um, but I, I ultimately, I think, came to the conclusion that as much as I love Bellingham, he's not uh, an essential signing. And this is what I did, essentially. I just kind of thought about it. And with, with regards to coach, I guess I'll leave that for the end. But i sell Vallejo, Zola. I would not renew Asensio. I would not renew Mariano. I would sell Hazard. I don't know if that's a realistic thing, but I, I would go. <laughs> do, I would try my best, every ounce of energy I can, find solutions, see if I can pay half a salary, put dump him somewhere until for a, for a year or two, like we did with Bale. Although Bale was a much more um, appealing prospect for like a Tottenham than Hazard is to anyone right now. Um, we, we had high hopes for Newcastle uh, coming in, but the problem is that they're ahead of schedule with how good they are. And I don't think they would care to to pay any money for Hazard. Uh, so that those options are up there, but I would try my damn hardest and maybe even try to convince them to like, Hey, go to the middle East or somewhere like that. Um, and I would probably die trying. I would probably fail, but I would try. I would try. So Hazard, and this one is a little bit touchy maybe, but I would, I would sell Vasquez too because if he's a barrier in uh, bringing in a right back then sell him and then between him and Carvajal keep Carvajal just only for veteran presence and leadership and a backup right back option in in games that you might need him or maybe need some more defense or something that's what I would do um, I would renew Modric Cruz Sabayos and basically go into next season again with six midfielders for three positions, two many Kamavinga, Fede, Mortage, Cruz, and Ceballos. I think that's a good safety net to have, but I would decrease the playing time of Mortage and Cruz while doing so. Uh I think those are the people I would sell. Uh, so here's who I would bring in. And the name I have is number one in this is uh some people are going to get really mad at me for saying this. I actually come getting mad at myself for saying this. But if you can do it this summer, try to get Mbappe in again. I know, I know, yeah. I know he it's, it's a lot of people have him on the unforgivable list. Uh, you, if you can do it, do it. Um, and I know that's a frustrating thing to say because he's after what happened last summer, but maybe the. Concoction of what they what happened to them, the elimination, the fact that Mbappe is looking around and probably thinking like it's never gonna happen here. These guys are completely have no idea what they're doing. They're not building the squad that's needed. They're not really giving me the control they wanted. Uh, I'll bring him in if possible. Um, and then loan out Alvaro Rodriguez, renew Benzema. So you have Benzema and Mbappe. With Benzema probably coming off the bench. You got and then Mbappe starting up top being interchangeable with Vinicius. You got Rodrigo there too, obviously. So you have uh and then in, in addition to not renewing uh Asensio, I'd do a combination of two things: bring back Brahim and promote Aribas full time as an option too. Sometimes starter, sometimes off the bench. And the right-back slot is really, really challenging. Still is, even if you Mm -hmm. make room and and get rid of Vasquez or somebody, or Carvajal, one of those two. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: No one one that's expiring this year at the right-back position is interesting to me. Cancelo is no longer interesting because his contract actually doesn't end until 2027. I don't really uh, have any interest in taking that over. It was appealing for a six-month rental, but not now. And so that gives you two options. Really one option. Promote Vinicius Tobias. <laughs> and if but the thing is, I think you have to do that now. I think you have to promote him now just to see for the last remaining games of level. You got to see how good he is at the 18 level. So that you can at least make the decision whether you want to trigger that 15 million or not in the summertime then i was looking at uh the free agents the right backs that are expiring in 2024 and seeing that maybe you could offer those guys uh and those clubs an offer because those clubs are losing them for free and they're a little bit older there's two names that that stood out again not that not that exciting names So brace yourselves. I'm not proposing Cafu and and Javier Zanetti. Kyle Walker expires in 2024. Could you offer him a one or two year deal to come in and rotate with Carvajal? Doesn't necessarily solve your offensive issues, but it's just a body. Uh, The other one is Benjamin Pabard, who maybe provides you with a slightly a, a decent goal scoring presence. Both Kyle Walker and Pavard are capable progressive passers. I don't know how much Bayern love Pavard anyway. So they may be open to like a a low ball offer on an expiring contract. Those are the two names I came up with. Uh and then if you get one of those maybe you can loan out to like resign and loan out. Or or if Casilla gets to segunda, just put him in segunda playing every game.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and then finally for coach uh maybe it's a bit of recency bias but 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 it's not realistic as Nagelsmann. Um I don't think Bayern would let him go or he would be necessarily interested in leaving the Bayern project right now. So I would probably just promote Raul. Tuchel cool, I love as I said yesterday on on the on the Q&A Zoom podcast Tuchel cool, I love but have huge question marks about him managing egos, and um, I think all the chips ultimately fall on Raúl's lap. Uh, Raúl's lap. So I, that's that's what we're looking at here. Yeah. Was that too long winded Did anyone? I wonder if anyone actually even understand what understood what I said or was it just blabbering? <laughs> Did you get it? So, so to summarize, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out Vallejo, orriosola, sancio, mariano, hazard, vásquez. Loan out Alvaro, Vinicius, Tobias. Bring in Mbappe, one of Walker or Pavard. And that's it. And, oh, sorry. And and uh, promote Arribas and bring back Brahim. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Uh, next question. Tough one, Lucas, for me anyway. Ranta asks, <laughs> if it was possible... Would you rather get Alfonso Davies over Bellingham this summer? How much would you be willing to spend to get him if you were in charge of the club?
1: It depends. To me, it depends on whether or not you're actually getting a decent offer for Mendy. If you are, if you're able to get, I don't know, 40, 50 million, 30 even for Mendy. Maybe I would make uh, Davies a target. I don't think it's that realistic, though. I think obviously Bayern are very excited about Davies as a as a player overall.
0: Yeah, rightfully so.
1: Yeah, he's not leaving. But you know, for for the sake of argument, if I were able to get I don't know thirty, forty million for for Mendy, I would probably make Davies a a priority if he were to leave for I don't know eighty or something like that. Maybe if if the net spend of this whole operation would be somewhere close to 50-60 million with Mendy leaving and Davis coming, obviously Frank Garcia being the backup, I would probably pull the trigger, yeah. But again, this is only for the sake of argument because we can all agree on 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 the fact that Davis is not leaving next summer.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it's not a realistic question. So the the, the answer doesn't have to be realistic in my opinion because Davies is not leaving Bayern. Um, everyone will already know I have very clear bias in answering this question. You don't have to be <laughs> a brain surgeon to know that I am biased for an, an obvious reason. In my lifetime, I never thought there would be a day where a Canadian would be good enough to play for Real Madrid. Apart from me and i when i was when i was 10 i i had the dream of playing for real madrid i came just short i almost made it but davies is good enough to fit that role but it would be contingent on you lose either mendy or fran in that situation yeah um but man bellingham is really good too davies is really good davies in some ways is feels a little bit more of a rare commodity because wingbacks right now are extremely precious in football if you get a world-class fullback because they're not that abundant. So it feels like he's a scarce resource in some way. One thing that maybe would tip me in in favor of Bellingham over Davies if I had a gun to my head would be Davies. I'm scared of Davies' body breaking down at some point. I don't know. There's just been some health scares with him in the past. That's one thing that would scare me with him. Uh, but it's a it's a great question. I'd pick Davies if I had the choice for bias reasons, but also um, Bellingham obviously would be a great asset to have. But of the two, Bellingham is more realistic. You know I think like as we're having this conversation, I'm starting to wake up a little bit. I feel like uh, in some ways some of this conversation actually discredits him because like, for example, when you say you know he wasn't maybe necessarily attack oriented, he has been based on the squat he has that and I think that that has to be something that looked is looked upon as an impressive feat because like for example Real Madrid 2014, 2015. Um, like when they had- say, I'm
2: starting to wake up a little bit. I know how to press the buttons, uh, Keon to keep the the churros going. It's Friday. Get the electricity pumping.
0: Yeah, starting to. I'm starting to feel the 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 jolt. Get the juices flowing. So the uh, I'm also fasting, by the way. uh, that's a different discussion. But I, the, the, I'm a little bit low energy for that reason. But the the fact that um. You know, with that 2014-2015 team, when his midfield was Cruz, a younger Cruz, a younger Modric, plus Isco and James, that team was extremely attack-oriented, possession, high-pressing. A year before, when it was required of him, when he had BBC up front and he had to play against Pep's Bayern, he was counterattacking. And I think that's a that, that should be something uh, most coaches are hell-bent on playing one way. And Carlo has never been like that. And that's, I think, part of the reason he has been successful. And so I don't think it's a matter of him not being attacked. It's attacking oriented. It's a matter of he is when he feels like his squad is able to do so. And when he feels like a different approach will work, he will use a different approach. I think that that should be noted. I also want to talk about like just like tacticians in general and stuff. Um, In some respect, overvalued in football. Just a a sm- a smidge, because a lot of these guys who are better tacticians than him, um and i don't I don't know like who that person is necessarily off the top of my head, but they obviously they exist. Um, let's put it this way if some if there's like a lot of quote unquote self- proclaimed tacticians on Twitter, right? You could like, if someone like was like the most genius tactician ever, he like wrote something, he drew it up. He's like, this is how we win. That's not going to work because no one is going to be able to buy into whatever that person is saying. So the buy, the ability to get players to buy in is something that Carlo has and that not all coaches have. And that has to be respected. And as I'm talking about this, like, why not top five? Really? (laughs) Like, who are the five? are like the six who would be ahead of him to put him number seven is the question. You know what I mean? Uh, I'd be curious mm-hmm. to know what that list is. I don't know if I could name six who are definitively better than him all time. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Like why, why can't we put him in the conversation? Um, again, I'm not putting him ahead of like someone like Sir Alex Ferguson, but to me, like the short list isn't forgive me if uh, I'm forgetting anyone, but it's something like, you know, you got to talk about Ferguson, Pep, Mourinho, Carlo, uh Zidane. You put him over, Wenger. Wenger. Wenger, Wenger another one. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I'm just what is who else?
1: Once uh, we, we can start talking club. about
0: like the much older managers, um, like you know, the Renis Michaels, the Miguel Munoz. S- S-
2: yeah,
0: Arigo yeah. S- S- Sachi. Well,
2: Sa basically, the answer to this question is is personal unless the criteria is uh, very clearly listed. Are you going for success in terms of trophies and wins? Is it a combination of things? I, don't I, know. I mean, I don't know the answer to, it, this to
0: me, like it, it's the most clear measurement is trophies and wins. And it has to be prefaced mm. by saying it's at big clubs. Like mentioning Hiddink has an interesting career that he's done while well at random stints. You can't include him ultimately because the only big club he's managed is Real Madrid and he lasted like six months um, and that's it. And so he didn't even last the full season. Chelsea was the other one. He was an interim manager, um, which I guess maybe you can count as a big club. But so he can't like be considered in this conversation because – He's done well with Russia, Australia, China, China's youth team. Like, mm. he, he didn't have like the big, the, big club record. Yeah. See, my my problem
2: with this though is always, and and I revert back to the same example. And again, we're overlapping to another question that I know is going to be posed later. Perhaps we can shoehorn it in. Shoehorn it in, excuse me. But Rines Michos, you know, that was coach of arguably the most successful Dutch side in history that mm-hmm. made its name for itself, you know, the, the uh, um, I don't know how to say it in English, La, Me- La Mecanica Naranja, right, the, the, the orange machine. Um, 74, 78, never won a World Cup trophy and lost against a Germany and an Argentina side that right now, Argentina, I think, was coached at the time by... Um, Oh, I forget his name I'm going blank the man that he coached at Barca as well oh fuck anyway I, for example the Germany coach right now you, I'd be dumbfounded to, to give you an answer I don't know who that is so my, my question is Rines Michels never won a world cup won the eighty eight Euro cup mind you with Holland he did uh, and at club level right now, I don't know how successful he was with with Ajax and with Barcai it was a very difficult time. He wasn't all that successful, but he'll be cer- certainly hailed as one of the most successful coaches, one of the best coaches of all time.
0: Well, so that's an interesting point. But like, so, for example, Renus Michaels, is it Michaels? I don't know. Like Michels, I don't know. Michels. You always say everything in Dutch, and I just don't. I don't know how to keep up with that. But right, um, say like, say,
2: like m- m- Michels.
0: Okay, Venus Michels. <laughs> Good. Uh, thanks. That's perfect. He he has a legacy because he has influence on many future coaches, right? Because he has an mm-hmm. influence on Krieve. Cryo- and then it's like, it's like a family tree almost. And then from Kriyfe, many people have been descendants of Kriyfe. You know what I mean? So Rios Mi- right. Michaels has a legacy in that way, where he has influence on an entire future and an entire army of coaches. But I think in this case, you have to think about and it. a a style. Different way. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a philosophy, right? But yeah, I think yeah. you have to. The reason why, in my opinion, he wouldn't necessarily be among the shortlist is because it's kind of like the the student has surpassed the master kind of vibes with this. Like, Mm, mm. you know what I mean? Like, Pep is a greater... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a philosophy. like, Yeah, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, like... Pep philosophers. Yeah, Pep is a greater coach than Cruyff, in my opinion, because Mm, he took mm -hmm. what Cruyff did... And gave it his own twist and won more than Crife did and was more successful. Mm-hmm. So just mm-hmm. so in my opinion, Pep is greater than Krife for that reason, even though Crife has the importance of um you know essentially laying a instilling the seed. Yeah, like laying the yeah, seed, instilling the seed provoking the thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Cesar Menotti, by the way, was the, the guy I was the coach mm-hmm. I was looking for, the name. Menotti. Got it. Yeah. Well, You know, and, and, and that, that's, we could be talking sorry, the family came home, uh, as you can hear from the screams, but that's, uh,
0: it's a good, we got to actually move on. You can talk for, we got, we we got 25 minutes left. Please. Uh, and I just realized we have a question in the inbox too. Um, that I think we have okay. to take. Uh all right, so let's let's fly through. Brandon Vias says, Hey gents, who was more impressive? Hesse and his spell with the Real Madrid first team or Ansu so far.
2: <laughs> I mean putting Hesse and Ansu in the same sentence is an is an odd one for me. I find it hard to answer as well. Uh I don't really remember you know Jesse came onto the scene uh certainly with a lot of hype behind him and Madridistas were very excited i don't know how successful he was at the time so uh and 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 putting Jesse's name in front of Ansu's you'll, you'll something crazy will have to have to hap- will have to happen you know, for me to do that uh but it's not a player I can very serious, and, and I don't hope. I hope Ansu's career is not going to end up like his. So I'm sorry.
0: It's an interesting one, because if you compare just, I mean, we can't. Comp- we don't know what's going to happen with Ansu in the future. As of right now, um, Hesse's best season with Real Madrid. I I closed the tab. I don't know where it went. Anyways, I remember it. His best season with Real Madrid. He had 11 goals and assists. Ansu's best season with Barca, which is small sample size, is nine goals and assists. I'm going to lean with Gese. What happened with Gese essentially is he didn't care that much and he got injured. It was a combination of those two things and it's just a bad, bad combination. He had, He did not care about football as much as he should have, or as much as you know we would have liked yeah. him to. You hope Ansu won't yeah, follow right. that path. Exactly. If I'm a madridista, I'm paying. If I'm Madrid, I'm paying Jose. I'm gonna, uh, Jose a uh, Manita, or not a Manita, Maleta. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm giving Jose a maleta. and I'm saying, I'm t- telling him, "Hey man, why don't you go go uh, take Ansu out for a week in Ibiza." <laughs> See if you can rub off your influence on him a little bit so we can make sure Ansu doesn't um, get to the level that he's supposed to get to.